Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winter Fame. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. The Entolamaginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Well, the day of the afters was the day of great celebration and talking about what had happened the night before. Sunday afternoon, about 50 guests arrived back to the Flynn's house, Kilcorsi, in Clara, in Offaly. There was a lunch put on by them. All the closest friends and family who lived in the area or were staying in the area came back for lunch. It was the final of Wimbledon that year. Loads of crack around the house, everybody eating and drinking. The younger people went to the pub at about nine o'clock. Some people stayed in the house. And it went on probably, you know, late in the night with Richard, Teresa and Father Malloy having a chat. And then at one o'clock, the parish priest in Clara Offaly got a phone call to say a man was dead in Kilcorsi House and could he come and give the last rites. What would transpire was that Father Malloy was dead in the master bedroom. Today on the Indo-Daily, it was a story that gripped the nation in the mid-1980s. Even today, the death of Father Niall Malloy still captures the imagination. On July the 8th last, the body of Father Niall Malloy was found against a bedroom door at the home of Mr and Mrs Richard Flynn near Clara in County Offaly. I'm Fiona Sheehan and I'm joined by Sharon Lawless, co-author of the new book Anatomy of an Injustice, The Killing of Father Niall Malloy, to tell us about the infamous unsolved case. Sharon, July 1985, Clara in County Offaly, Big society wedding. Mm-hmm. Can you can you tell me of events at Kilcorsi House yeah. that weekend? Yeah, it was a huge wedding. I think there were over two hundred guests, maybe about two hundred and fifty guests, and the Flynn family were hosting the Parks family because the Flynn's eldest daughter Maureen was getting married to Ralph Parks, and the Parks were and are um, a very uh, well-known business family in Limerick. They had a big marquee in the garden, which would have been unusual at the time. It was catered by the Bridge House in Tullamore. They had an open bar, the whole thing. So a very exciting affair by all accounts. And this is kind of the the kind of what we would call the 
the horsey set, I suppose, yeah, which you would yeah. often refer to in Iran. But it, it was very much people, you know, of of business and 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 farming and farming background. The kind of the almost the 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 Irish aristocracy as such uh, it, gathering it for this been, event. Yeah, it would have been, and and very much the Irish aristocracy, both Richard and. Theresa Flynn came from business backgrounds, very comfortable business backgrounds. They had fairly large families. Their friends were involved in politics, business. Even Brendan Boyer was there because Theresa was related to Brendan Boyer. So it was kind of, you know, anybody who was important in Irish society as distinct from kind of landed gentry society was there. So it was a big occasion. Amongst the guests uh, at the reception were was Father Niall Malloy. What was the relationship there? Well, he arrived later. He was very close to the family. Richard and Teresa and Father Niall would have known each other from the Gymkhana circuit when they were all in their teens. Each one of them was involved in that. In particular, Teresa was, was hugely successful, a fabulous horsewoman. And Father Niall at, I think he was 12 when he won the Claire Morris show. So they were both quite accomplished. So they would have known each other then. And it was around 1961 that Father Malloy then was spending so much time with the horse business with Teresa and their interest in horses that he started to spend more time with the family where they were living. And Father Malloy, fair to say not your average kind of impoverished parish priest as such, came from kind of a wealthy background in his own right? Yeah, the Malloy family were very well known, another large family. The father was a senator in the first Irish Senate. He had come back from New York. He was part of that generation of new Irelanders and he had come back, uh, settled in Roscommon, just outside Roscommon town, bought some businesses there, very successful and the family were comfortable. But I believe from from their own kind of testimony, they still were put to work. You know, there was a, a working farm there. They all had to get out and work it. His father had given him some inheritance before he died. And I thought it was unusual, but apparently it's not. There are some orders where priests don't have to take a vow of poverty. And that was the case in Father Malloy's order. He was still parish priest in, in Castle Coote in County Roscommon at that time. Daily Mass went about his duties within, within the parish and very much liked by, oh, by his loved, parishioners. Absolutely. And still to this day, he was loved by his parishioners. He was quiet, very gentle and pretty much there for whoever needed him. A very decent man. The day after the wedding then, talk me through events then. So the following day, the Flynns were hosting, we have it now all the time, kind of the aftermath of the wedding for whoever is still around. So they had put on a lunch with the leftovers from the day before and invited whoever was still around of, you know, the family's friends who had been staying around Clara to join them. I suppose there could have been up to maybe 50 people there that afternoon and Father Malloy was at that for the whole day as well. And that night then... How do events unfurl? Father Malloy had a routine where he would take out a pony and trap and go around Clara Village. Um, and he stopped to speak to one or two people on the way. So that was around nine o'clock. And the timeline, depending on whose statement you read, varies considerably. But generally speaking, he was out then. He came back and went into the house, was talking to Richard and Teresa downstairs and an aunt, Auntie May, who was in the house as well. Again, reports vary. 
She went up to bed. Teresa went up to bed about half nine, took a sleeping tablet. And the next thing that anybody knew was that Richard was in bed. Teresa was in bed. Father Malloy was sitting at the end of the bed and he and Richard were having a chat about holidays. Teresa asked Richard to go downstairs and get another round of drinks. And according to Richard, he said to Teresa, you've had enough to drink. Father Malloy already has a drink. His glass is full. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, if you want drinks, you can go down and get them yourselves. At which point he said, Father Malloy and Teresa jumped up and attacked him. And that he, in self-defence, hit Teresa, knocked her out and she fell on the floor. He hit Father Nile. He fell on the floor, but got back up again. Uh, Richard hit him again, knocked him unconscious and he fell on the floor. Richard went into the ensuite, got some water, splashed it on their faces to try and revive them. Teresa woke up. Father Nile didn't. He started to get a bit worried said an act of contrition into his ear and then went downstairs to call the local parish priest to come and give the last rites to somebody who was very sick. And the parish priest then, he is effectively the first external witness to arrive at, on the scene. Yeah, and that was about one o'clock. Richard said this happened at about 12. The parish priest arrived over around one o'clock and he said he didn't know who the man was who was lying on the floor upstairs. He gave him the last rites. He didn't know if he was still alive or not. He and Richard went downstairs to try and call a doctor. There was a bit of, you know, kerfuffle about phone numbers and glasses. And so the priest went back to his parochial um, house to get his glasses so that he could read phone numbers and help Richard ring a doctor. So at, at this point, no medical attention has been provided and nor have the, have the Gardaí been called. No. That happens subsequently. At about two o'clock, because they they couldn't find a number for a local doctor, uh, the local parish priest and one of the Flynn daughters drove to Kilbegan about five miles away to wake up the family GP and close family friend, Dr O'Sullivan. So he drove back to Kilcorsey, confirmed that Father Malloy was dead. Earlier, Dr. Daniel O'Sullivan said that when he arrived at their house, there was a good deal of panic among the family, but Richard Flynn was calm and told them there had been an argument downstairs. I assume Father Malloy came up to thrash the matter out, said Dr. O'Sullivan. Mr. Flynn told them there was a disagreement about who should go down for a drink. Said that Teresa was hysterical and at about three o'clock or so, he brought her, he drove her into Tullamore Hospital with two of the daughters and she was admitted at... About quarter past three. At that time, at the same time, uh, Father Dignan, who was the local parish priest, had gone across to the Garda station in Clara and woken up um, Kevin Ford, Sergeant Kevin Ford. Sergeant Kevin Ford of Clara said that at 3.15am, the parish priest, Father Dignan, called to the station saying that a priest was dead at the Flynn's home and that he understood he had fallen against a wall and hit his head. Father Dignan also told him it was a terrible scandal in the parish and asked him if there was anything that could be done to keep it quiet. Kevin Ford said no, got dressed, went across and was there quickly enough for Dr Sullivan to have returned from Tullamore to open the door to him and he went upstairs to the bedroom. So that was the first time at quarter past three that the guards, that any of the emergency services were notified. So there is a... A dead man who was a priest in a house, the, the assailant 
is is known. The cause of that seems relatively clear. What was the reaction uh, locally and nationally to, to this? Because this was a, a scandal. It was a huge scandal. It was before any of the other church scandals came out. It was around the time that the Thornbirds had been on TV. So, of course, the conclusion that everybody jumped to was there's no way that a priest would be in a couple's bedroom, you know, dead unless there was something going on. And that, of course, was the, the rumour to this day that's still the rumor. But Richard said no, he you know, he hadn't found them in a compromising position. It was a row over drink. Certainly any of the research I've done over the last number of years would not point to any kind of a physical relationship between the two of them. The case has provoked widespread rumor and innuendo, none of it in any way substantiated. And the delay in resolving the case, one way or the other, has naturally caused deep upset both to the Flynn and Malloy families. Most definitely, they were incredibly close friends. They had a very, very close relationship. Maybe more like a brother and sister, you know, or best friends. But I don't think there's any way that three people could be in a marriage for that amount of time without something happening. You know, I don't think that it would have taken until 1985 for Richard to get jealous. I think it's come to a head. Yeah. The case does go to trial. What happens and how is there no conviction in this case? The trial has begun in the Dublin Circuit Criminal Court of the County Offaly businessman Richard Flynn, who was accused of the manslaughter of Father Niall Malloy last July. It was really odd and it was almost as if it was orchestrated in advance because Richard was charged with manslaughter and assault. And um, Judge Frank Rowe was to hear the case. Um, And Richard had, as part of his defence team, um, Patrick McEntee, who's just a superb orator, to the point of being entertaining in court, but absolutely superb at his job. When he was questioning the state pathologist, John Harbison, the way in which he asked the question about an aspect of the post-mortem, I mean, in the post-mortem, it had, you know, given every detail about Father Malloy's health. One of the things was, you know, his heart had a bit of damage, but kind of what you'd expect for a 52-year-old man. But the major injuries were head injuries. And in fact, even, you know, at the front of the book of evidence, the motive was given as financial difficulties and head injuries being the injuries that he suffered. But the manner in which Patrick McEntee questioned Harbison, it was like, so, you know, could Father Malloy, in a very agitated state, have brought on a heart attack? You know, it was highly emotional and, you know, all this was going on and everybody was highly emotional and there was drink taken. And I suppose, you know, John Harbison could only say one thing and, well, anything is possible. But it was one of those answers where he needed to go on and qualify that. But he didn't or couldn't. And then... Patrick McEntee kind of jumped on the idea that this meant that it was beyond reasonable doubt that Richard had inflicted any fatal injuries. The judge dismissed the jury, had a chat about it, said, OK, so this is clearly what could have happened. Uh, we can't rely on the head injuries as being the cause of death. So he called the jury back in and directed them to acquit um, Richard on all counts. But there was loads of evidence that had been put forward that was never heard because it ended within a couple of hours. I mean, that afternoon, Richard walked free. And that was it. That, that one decision 
changed everything that could not be, it could never be undone. A month later, there was a, a sworn inquest in Tullamore, which went on much longer than the trial. It went on for three days, heard much more evidence. And the conclusion was that Father Malloy had died as a result of head injuries nothing to do with his heart. Dr. Harvison told the jury of nine men and three women that evidence of heart disease was far less than that of head injury, and he had concluded that the head injuries had been the primary cause of death. And he tended to the conclusion that he would be alive today if he had not suffered the brain swelling caused by multiple blows to the head. So that just completely overturned the reason for Richard to be acquitted. And there still is that big question. Why was he acquitted when he himself admitted that he had, you know, he was responsible for Father Malloy's death. So how did how did that evolve into an acquittal and a very straightforward acquittal as far as the judge was concerned? Um, I mean, I know at the time the judiciary were a laughing stock. You know, nobody could take any of those those cases seriously or any judgment seriously. Um, so it was a huge blow to justice and to the Malloy family. And questions raised about the judge, his relationship with with parties in the case and ultimately his decision-making process. Well, he was well known to be um, a horsey man himself, more horse racing than show jumping, which is where the the Flynn's and the Malloy's excelled. But I suppose in that circle, you know, people would know each other. Um, There was a question over the fact that he should have recused himself if he had any knowledge of either party. Um, You know, there are details of him. He had just been appointed the president of the circuit court at the time, so he could take whatever case he wanted to. Um, You know, all of those questions are there, but there's very little evidence to back up any claims around that. But certainly it would be a small enough, I suppose, aspect of society that he certainly would have known of the people if he didn't know them directly. What do we know now? would you say, that that wasn't apparent at that time, particularly around the motivation for this this killing? Yeah, it's funny. It kind of was known at the time, but it was hidden. Again, in that trial, in the book of evidence, the motive, the possible motive was given as, you know, an argument over money. But because that evidence was never heard, that was never taken into account. So that was kind of dismissed. But, you know, we have found a huge paper trail of, you know, the the company, the companies that Richard was involved in, and they were just going down the tubes. Um, he was in huge debt. He had judgments pending against him from Barclays Bank, Bank of Ireland Finance. Uh, he owed the revenue. So uh, this was a man who was in serious financial trouble. Um, so we were able to unearth that paper trail. And it tied in with the very strange deal that was done between the three of them um, the year before Father Malloy died to buy a piece, 30 acres of land at Kilcorsi, which presumably Teresa already owned. Um, but she and Father Niall were buying 30 acres from Richard. It was valued at £35,000 and the deposit that they had to pay was £24,000. That was paid directly to Richard into his account, not to the solicitor into his client account. And the whole deal depended on the Land Commission giving planning permission for whatever it was that Father Nile and Teresa wanted to do there, build stables or an arena or whatever. That wasn't approved. And in February 1985, 
The word came through. They were not going to allow the deal to go through. Father Niall tried to get his money back from Richard. It would be fairly well understood that if the Flynns were in, you know, that dire financial state, there's no way that Teresa paid half of that deposit. You know, Father Malloy would have paid the full £24,000 and he couldn't get it back. And that was just one of several deals that were done. Um, to do with land or, you know, loaning money to Richard to get out of different situations that he was in because of his debt. But I suppose if Richard was in debt professionally and personally, then so was Teresa. Father Malloy would have been helping them out. And what about the life insurance policy? The, yeah, that was another really strange thing. I mean, like this case, you think it's strange and then you hear something else and it's stranger again. It came to light about three weeks after Father Malloy died. Uh, the insurance company got a claim in from Teresa Flynn, allegedly. And on the policy, Teresa was named as Father Malloy's sister and Richard was named as his brother-in-law and Father Malloy's address was given as... Um, Kilcorsey. So she's not Father Malloy's sister. And we're trying to figure out, or everybody was trying to figure out why that would have been the case. You know, maybe that was the way she could be a beneficiary. But that was the second instance of her calling herself his sister. The insurance company asked for more details or proof that she was his sister. And then you know, there was no more word, except that she denied she had ever put in that claim. And she gave a sample of her handwriting and everything. But I mean, it was on the original policy, whatever about the claim or any letter that was written since. And finally, your view after studying this case for so long, the death, did it come about because of a, a drunken row, a crime of passion or of financial motivation or a combination of all of, of, of elements? It could be a combination of elements, but uh, my leaning is towards a financial situation. I also think that it was a weekend of very high emotions. You know, you had a, a huge wedding. It was an important weekend because they were welcoming in uh, a new son-in-law. People perceived them as being fabulously wealthy and they were fabulously not. And they were on tenterhooks that that might be revealed because if Father Malloy was going to try and get his money back, he would have to have gone public with it. He would have to have taken a case against them. So a lot was hanging in the balance. And I think it's very difficult for three people to be in a marriage. You know, even if there was no physical relationship there, and I mean, Richard confirmed that as well as several other people, there was a very close relationship there. I find it difficult to understand that in 1985, that's what the motive would have been. You know, there were plenty of years beforehand that something could have happened. I think Father Malloy was trying to get out of the business relationship with Teresa or, and trying to distance himself from the Flynns because this was all going wrong, because Richard was really digging a hole for himself. And Father Malloy was, was the butt of that, you know, and he just wasn't going to stand it any longer. I, you know, I think he, he probably saw maybe a different life for himself, maybe one that was more of a, a Christian life. And I think he just wanted to have a, a more simple life. And that would have been with horses helping people. And my thanks to Sharon Lawless for joining me today. Her new book, Anatomy of an Injustice, The Killing of Father Niall Malloy, is available now. I'm Fiannan Sheehan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced and researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound design by John Smith. 
archive clips from RTE and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.